Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. I was giving you time to turn there uh, on your iPads, your phones, or your old school Bibles. Amen. Praise God. It says before. Somebody say before. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Just stop there for a second and put a tab in it, put a note in it, put a thought in it that it was God's fault. It's not your fault you're so strange. It's not your fault you haven't fit in in any groups or any circles or even it's not even your fault if you feel like even in this church, even though you're called here, you're like, there's just no one like me, but I feel like I'm supposed to be here. It's not your fault you don't even fit in in your own family or you kind of feel like Joseph with this coat of many colors because God has, has set you apart. God has, he's not, he's not made you a misfit. You only fit in him and he set you apart so you'll start discovering that. Because if you fit in man, you'll stop looking. So those that fit don't seek. The only reason why I hear here is because you didn't fit. So I know I'm talking to everybody here. Because it's not the first place you go is the church. It's just not, not where you go first. It's just not where the world tells you to go first. It's probably the last place you go because you looked everywhere else. And you were so set apart that it didn't even work. You, you tried it. You and God's put you here. He set you apart. So say, God, thank you for setting me apart. Thank you for making me not fit. Come on. Because you were born for this. And then he says, I appointed you. Now many people think that God says, I want to use you. So we pray that. God, use me. God, use me. There's even this song that they say, God, use me. God, use me, use me, use me. And nowhere in the Bible does God say, I want to use you. Because what happens, we, we pray to God to use us, and then God uses us. And we're like, man, I feel really used. God used me, and the church uses you, and you say, man, I feel really used. I feel like they just want to use me. Yeah, but that's what you prayed for. God is a specific God. If you want a bike, don't just tell him a bike. Tell him you want a red bike that is the height you needed. Right? If you want God to appoint you because that's what he promises I have appointed you God doesn't want to use you he has appointed you and here's the deal don't ask for God to appoint you because he's already done it just ask God I want to see my appointment when is it how is it how's it gonna look I love the word appointment because it signifies that there is a meeting with someone someone great so the appointment is not just with your dream it's with God if you have to leave God to get to your dream, you can know that that appointment is not with God. Has appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. You know what's funny about time? We're either frustrated about the time and the waiting, or we're frustrated at how fast he's trying to push us out. We're frustrated. It's like we either, we're either mad at God because he's not doing it on our time or God keeps calling us to do stuff not in our time. Like, God, give me a little more time to do that. And I love that he appoints you to nations. You know, earlier, Christy said, we want to win L.A. Some of you are like, oh, God, L.A.? That's like a, and I'm just trying to take down Silver Lake. No, I'm just trying to keep, wrap my head, brain around Echo Park. I, L.A.? Like, you guys are crazy here. You got, like, you guys don't just want to be downtown. You guys want to win L.A.? No, the Bible calls us to win nations. Like, cities are small. Like, God's appointed you, not just me, you over nations. What nations are inside this room? Waiting to be shaken. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're a nation shaker. <laughs> no one's ever told you that. Shake that nation. Don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Don't be afraid of them, for I'm with you. 
And when I'm with you, I will rescue you. If you don't get in a dangerous spot, you don't need God. Then God, he declared the word of the Lord. And then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth. And he said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to over. Come on, somebody to build and to plant. I've called you to kingdoms and nations. I love that. He says kingdoms and nations. I've called you to kingdoms and nations. You are nation and kingdom shakers. If you believe that, put your hands in the air. Jesus, I pray right now for a mighty wave of your presence to hit this house today. God, that we would shake nations. We would upset kingdoms. God, we would build and plan. Amen. Amen. Come on, you ready? Thank you, Ben. I love that he says nations and and kingdoms. Because we really think God just operates like this. But God gives this level of operation. Like his operation is not just nations. It's kingdoms. So it's it's when we hear about kingdoms, we we, we hear like things like when the name of Jesus is said, that bowing takes place on realms or we could say kingdoms. And there are three realms that it describes the kingdom of heaven. Kingdoms of earth, the kingdoms under earth, or the realm of heaven, the realm of earth, and the realm under earth, that when the name of Jesus is said, your, your Jesus is not just king on the nation level or, or on the earth realm. We're stuck in the earth realm because we're so caught up in our body that, that we forgot that we are three in one. We, we, are, we, are, we are spirit that lives in a body. This is just the tent, man. I know you're, you're doing great decorating the tent, but don't decorate the tent too much because God has a home for you. And your spirit is longing not for the tent to be decorated, but for the home of heaven. This, heaven is our home. Anybody know that? Heaven is your home. reason why heaven is your home is this body. You know what's crazy about this body is, is the moment Adam sinned, sin came in and started decaying what God meant to never decay. You know, it's funny. Scientists can't even figure out why your body degenerates. Because everything in your body heals itself. When you get a cut, it doesn't get worse. If you remove the things that are stopping it, the pain, the, 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 all the stuff, then it heals itself. So why do people die? Why, what is the, because sin came in and, 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 and sin took over the tent that used to be the home. But God said, okay, if he's going to take over that, I'm going to give you a new home. Heaven, heaven is your home, not earth. And we are kingdom shakers. So, so in other words, we're not coming to this party alone. I got friends on board. Yeah, and my friends are in another realm. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to get nervous about this realm. <laughs> have you seen that realm? I mean, this realm was created like a toy in Santa Claus's workshop. In God's workshop, he created the heavens and the earth. If this realm is this big, how big is that one? How big of a building did God need to start making planets? And that is the realm that we operate on. That is the realm that we are a part of. That is, that is the son. We are sons and daughters on that realm. Look, y'all trying to get, get caught up in this realm. Who's your daddy on this realm? I don't care who your daddy is on this realm. Let me tell you about my daddy on this realm. Because this realm serves notice on this realm. And ultimately transforms this realm because I'm not, I'm not dealing with this realm anymore. I'm letting the enemy know he has no part in my life. He has no part in my mind. He has no part in my heart. I'm not going to share this heart with anything else but the realm of heaven. You are three in one. Just like there's three realms, there's three realms to you. You are a body. A spirit that lives in a body and has a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Anybody ever met anyone with a crazy soul? Crazy emotions. Making all kinds of crazy decisions. Well, you can know the only, it's not the, it's not the soul that's, that's going bad. It's the spirit that's not leading the soul. Because you are a spirit. Your spirit is the one that's controlling your emotions. Or your emotions are leading your spirit. 
which is how we get hurt in church, which is how we get weird theologies. Because you've been fractured in your soul. You've been wounded in your soul. So your soul takes control. See, there's this thing called pain that I don't like. Anybody, anybody, you know, if you like pain, I'm sorry. We don't want to talk about that right now. That's a different issue, different sermon. Right? I'm not really trying to be funny. There are people that love pain. They just, they just enjoy it. But the only reason why they love it is they feel so numb on the inside. So they're trying to bring some pain to the outside to see if they're alive again. Because pain tells you you're alive. <laughs> when we came out of the womb, first thing the doctor did is whoosh, slapped you, see if you'd scream. Because the only way we know if you're alive is if, if you understand the definition of pain. Pain is real, man. I, I've learned that because, because I don't like pain. I, I, I want to I control. I, I, I learned from a young age. My mom taught me that if I, if I didn't jump too high, maybe I wouldn't get hurt. She said things like, be careful, out of love. She said those things. But, and, and as I grew older, I almost used my younger years as an excuse. My mom's not the reason why I struggle with fear, but she's my excuse. Uh, because fear is really my doing, no one else's. Because I made fear. I, I created fear. Fear was my thing that I used as a shelter to keep me from pain. And as long as I got my shelter... Pain can't get in, right? Because uh, if you've been alive and breathing and you have fear in your life and used it as a place to hide, then you understand just like me, you still experience pain. Pain still comes. People still get sick. They died out of nowhere. You're walking through stuff in your body right now. Every day, staying awake at night. What else can I control? What else can I hide in this thing called fear? Worrying all night about, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worry in itself. Meaning, worry is, you, you're going to worry, baby. It's coming. But don't even waste any worry on tomorrow. You don't need to worry about right now. You're just going to try to make it through today. Anybody in a moment where they're just trying to make it through today? Man, I, I, I used to, you know, I had the 10-year plan. Now I'm just trying to get through one, one month. I'm just trying, to, just trying to pay these bills for one month. Just trying to make friends for one month. I'm like, I don't even know. You know, hey, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. I'm just trying to love on people right now. You know, I don't even know. I hope we're going to be 80 together, but I'm just trying to love on you right now. Because, because I start getting all these high visions and these dreams that God didn't really give me. And then when they don't happen, then I get let down. So I got to control it. And I got I to hold on to it. And I can't really let you in too far. Because I'm just trying to deal with right now. Just trying to deal with this right here. So please don't come in my bubble unless you, unless you really mean business and you ain't going to hurt me. Because I don't like hurt. If you're alive and breathing long enough, you're going to understand, man, pain is coming, baby. This week, you know what I did? I, I dismissed fear from my life. I asked it to leave. Yeah, yeah, I got an attitude with it. I'm the pastor of Fearless Church. Right? I got to go first. That's what leaders do. They go first. So I told fear, I said, fear, I created you. Because the devil didn't create you. I thought he did. But I created you because the devil doesn't create anything. He just manipulates what God creates. I'm a creator, and so is my God. So I have given fear authority in my life to be my protector. You know, I said fear. I said you were a nice bodyguard, but you didn't do too well. You kept letting pain in. You kept letting hurt in. And, and I feel like a failure every time you let it in because the things I set up and the things I made, they're not working. And so fear, I dismiss you. You can go be with God, and he can do whatever he wants with you. Because God is now my protector. So here's what I dare you to start asking God. The next time you get into pain, because God promises pain. He says, take heart. In this world, you will have many troubles. I hate to tell you that because it freaks you out. Because if, if that sounds out of control, man, I, I don't know if I can handle that. And whenever we feel out of control, the first thing we want to do is quit. I walk away. I'm done. I don't want to deal with these people anymore. I don't want to deal with relationships anymore. I'm just going to go hide and in a, in a, put my head in the sand and wait for Jesus to come back because he's the only one I can really trust. You ever seen someone, man, I don't trust anyone, only my God. Well, you're not going to get married. You're not going to have many friends. You've got you to open your heart to trust. 
That doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt. But, but fear cannot be my protector. Because if it is, control will be my God. And if control will be my God, I will quit in the middle of the journey. I'm not called to be a quitter. I'm called to be a finisher. The only way I will finish, the only way I will keep going, the only way I'll keep kicking, the only way that I will walk this life, that he's, the only way I will do what he before ended me to do, the only way I will walk out the destiny, the appointments he's called me to, is if he becomes my protector. Here's what you ask now. Every time you go into pain, you're saying, God, how are you going to get me out? How are you going to help me through this? Uh, the, the Bible says this, uh, and, and I'm going to get to an, another spot where, where pain got real for the first church, but I want to read this first. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians, wait, 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 12, if you think you stand firm, be careful uh, that you don't fall. If you think you got your control figured out, be careful in this life that you don't fall. There's no temptation is overtaking you except that what is common to mankind. Or we can say no pain is overtaking you except that that what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or walk in pain beyond what you can bear. Come on, somebody else shout on that moment. Meaning what I said earlier, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God planned you. He was the architect planning in the blueprints the amount of load that you would need to be able to carry. The amount of weight that you would need to be designed to handle. He's a great architect. He's not just finisher. He's also author. God has not designed you in a way that you would break it down in the middle. God has not designed you in a way that man could actually rob you of your destiny. God has not designed you in a way that really you're going to lose your mind in the middle of this thing. If you trust him, if you lean on him. But when you are tempted, because it will come, he will also provide a way out. And I always stop reading there. Yeah. I'm always looking for the way. Oh, get out. Come on. Hey. Oh, like playing Holy Spirit dodgeball. Like there goes the pain. Oh, hey, get out of my life. Whoa. Oh, hey, I don't like you either. God bless you. Whoa. Right. Got, got it. It's not a way of escape only. That verse continues. It says he will provide a way out so you can endure it. Oh, I don't like that part. But it's so true. I mean, look, you're still here. You're still in church. You still somewhat got the, the smile has almost been beaten off, but it's kind of there. It's like kind of crazy smile now. The hair is a little different than when you started out with a good weave, and now the weave is like in five different directions, right? You're like, oh, I'm still here. It's like that person at the end of the race is like, you made it. Great. Awesome. Can I take a nap? I mean, that's, that's, but, but here's the deal. You're on this side of it. That's good news. And you're not on this side of it because you were so smart. Because you were so wise. Because fear really worked as a good protector. You're on this side of it because the moments of your life that you stood up under Jesus, they say the safest place in an earthquake is in the doorway. Just to warn you, because we do have earthquakes in L.A. Just, just if you find a doorway, get in it. I'm planning my doorway experiences. You got to kind of plan that out. When you're a kid, they plan fire drills. Why are you not planning for the moments that pain comes? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to run to that. I'm not going to run to this. I'm not going to hide here. I'm going to run to here. I'm going to run here. I'm going to pre-get scriptures that I can feed myself. I'm going to pre-get. Look, if you're going through a good moment on the roller coaster, just get ready because the loop's coming. Don't laugh at us upside down and spinning. Like, it's coming for you too, but prepare yourself for the moment that's coming, not, not in fear but in anticipation for what is God going to do when all hell breaks loose. Look, David said it this way. If I made my bed in hell, you will find me there. He said, I will praise you with my broken bones. Look, God has made you a warrior. He's made you a champion. 
He said the safest place is the door jam. How interesting. So I'm not supposed to run out of the building when the earthquakes happen? No, you're probably going to get hit with one of these big bricks. We don't have a very big door, so please, no earthquakes, Jesus. I mean, if you are anywhere but the doorway, you are in danger. That's what God's saying. This earth is crumbling. It's shaking. You're in, you're in, you live around people. People are messed up. They're hurtful. They're frail. They're fragile. You're going to go to church and you think everybody's going to be angels? No, no, no. No, we got, we got angels and demons here, right? We, we, got, we got every walk of life. We got people that just got saved or people that are like, man, I don't, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even care if you know Jesus. I'm just here for the free donuts on the way in, right? I mean, we got people for all kinds of reasons. Look, this is the church. It's not heaven yet. We still live on earth. So the shakings are happening. We just got to make the decision. Are we going to run out of the building and try to escape? In our own power? Or are we going to stand up under the doorway and say, God, you're not going to save me out of the fire. You're going to save me in it. Jesus said over and over, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I'm going to find my place in you, God. So here's what we're going to ask God. Every time we go through pain, how are you going to help me endure this? Where are you going to give me extra grace? I don't know if I can handle this. And every time I've walked through pain... I feel like I was going to lose my mind if I thought about it again, but it was like God was right there. When my daughter, she, she was getting fevers and having seizures from the fevers, I remember following the ambulance and crying, saying, God, I need you. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to think. I don't know how to, I'm so full of fear right now. And then boom, ding, I get a text from some guy who hasn't texted me in months, and it's a scripture about being fearless. And all of a sudden, I'm start reading that text as I'm driving. And with each little drop, God is giving me a way to get out. He's given me a way to endure it. He's given me a way to survive. I'm listening to the radio on the way there, some, some Christian song, just like a cheesy Christian song that I, didn't, I would never listen to, never like. I mean, I, you know, and it's just, it just starts filling my spirit. I'm like singing it at the top of my lungs. God is faithful. God is good. Look, he sent a donkey to speak to a prophet. He can send whatever he wants to get you through. He sent ravens to feed Elijah. He can do whatever he wants at any time, but we have to call him on it. God, I need your help to endure. One of my favorite moments in the book of Acts is when fear hit the church. Because they were going good. People were getting healed. Blind men were seeing. People were lame. People were walking. They became sermon props. Like people were bringing their... They're lame, they're maimed, they're blind out into the streets. It was like a parade. They walked by and their shadows were healing people. I don't, I don't believe it was their shadow. I believe it was who overshadowed them. Don't get out there and start trying to figure out your shadow. Get healed. No, no, it's who overshadowed them. It's not about the shadow. It's not about the method. It's about the message, right? I mean, things were happening, crazy things. They were having so much uh, success at building the church that, that the preachers didn't even have enough time to do it all. They were like, we can't even preach anymore. So they, they, they assigned seven different men to, to take over the church and, and help with different things as they put themselves into the study of the word. That they, they, they employed regular, average, normal people to do extraordinary things. In fact, uh, then out of nowhere, the religious did not like it. Religion will always try to shut down a fresh move of God. Be careful when you come into a fresh move of God and start pointing holes in it. It reveals the religion in your heart. Yeah, God is always doing a new thing. He's always up to something awesome. And if he doesn't consult you, don't get mad about it. Right? He's doing something new. He's doing churches and nightclubs. He's using young people to lead movements. He's awakening a generation. He's, he's changing the hearts of the sons to the fathers. He's doing something new today. There are entrepreneurs and businessmen. God has given you blueprints and ideas long before you're 30 in this room. There are people that are going to be, uh, be owning companies that you used to thought you would have to go work for that will be, other people will be working for you. I believe God is shifting environments and atmospheres, and he's doing something new, and he's not going to consult man about it. He's going to do what he does when he does it. 
And that was happening in the early church. The religious people didn't like it, so they tried to shut it down, man. Shut these people down. Tell them to stop saying Jesus' name. And I want to let you know, for all those that are excited about miracles, never once did the religious people try to get them to stop doing miracles. Because miracles weren't the thing that was shaking nations. I'm excited about miracles. I love miracles. I love prophecy. I love what God's doing. But the one thing they kept telling them to stop doing is to stop speaking. And one thing they said don't speak about is the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It needs to always be about Jesus. We don't need to get so caught up in what Jesus does. We need to get caught up in Jesus again. And they shut them down because they wouldn't stop saying that name. They said we cannot, we cannot not talk about what we are witnesses to. And these are the same ones that ran and hid and went back to their jobs. And here they are. And they start persecuting the church. Just know if you've got Jesus inside you, you will be persecuted. Both in the church and out of it. I'm persecuted in the church world and out of the church world. People talk about me in the church world and out of the church world. But I'm okay with that because if you got the real Jesus inside of you, people are going to talk about you. They might call you a heretic. They might call you a crazy person. Well, they call Jesus the same thing. So you're going to be okay. Started talking about them, but they went beyond talk. They started killing them. In fact, Stephen, one of the deacons that got assigned, was the first martyr. But as they stoned him, he sang. Why? Because he was living out 1 Corinthians. God provided a way of escape to handle the pain he was walking in. The Bible says that this man, Saul, was young at that moment and holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen. The Bible says that as Paul got ready to come to the church, right before that moment, we, we see this, the story of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I love that it was the Ethiopian eunuch because the only reason why he was a eunuch is that so he wouldn't try to sleep with the queen. So he would be in high places because he gave up parts of his body to be in high places. He gave up going forward to be in high places. And so God starts reaching out to this man who thinks he's in a lowly position in a high place. God uses Philip to do it. I don't even know what happened in Ethiopia after that, but I guarantee great revival because this Ethiopian eunuch asks, asks Philip to start telling him the gospel. He starts preaching the gospel to him. Right there, they pass a little, a little river, and he goes, can I get you baptized? They baptize him in the water right there. Then the craziest thing, this is awesome. There was actually time travel in the Bible. Yeah, go read it. I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm not asking you to time travel. I'm not asking you to warp. If, but if you're a Star Trek fan, praise God. Right? Philip was, was time-traveled to another location. It's crazy. We're not building a theology off that, and we're not praying for time-travelers to come forth, but God will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. Could God time-travel someone? I guess he did, so I guess he can. Right? Some of us need time-traveling in the traffic we're in. And then right after this amazing story, time-travel happens, crazy people are getting saved radically, then it says, in the meantime, Saul was breathing out murderous threats. Isn't it crazy how the good and the bad show up at the same time? Isn't it crazy how God's doing something great and then something horrible is going on and all you can think about is the horrible thing that's happening? The church is on the run. They're scattered. God's still working, but this church is scattered. But they knew they would be scattered because God said, you're going to be my witnesses, which meant martyr. <laughs> and you're going to be it. In, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, they didn't know that they were going to be going on the run to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because in Jerusalem they were being killed. But God starts allowing them to be dispersed. Whenever the devil thinks he's got a plan, God's always got something bigger in process. They're all over. They're running. And part of the reason why they're running is because Saul... He was bent on killing Christians. He was, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was the religious of the religious. In fact, while Stephen is being stoned, it says that Paul held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. He, he, wasn't just, he didn't think it was a good idea to stop Christianity. Uh, he didn't even care if it was not in his city. He wanted to extinguish Christianity. In fact, the place he's, he's on his way to, is 150 miles from the place he lives. 
So you imagine how bad you want something in. He's, he's traveling all over. He's got papers, papers from the heads of government that said you can take in this Pastor Jeremy. You can, you can arrest this guy Israel. You, you can go ahead and kill David. He has papers from them walking away from the faith that they started. And, and he's bent. He's, he's breathing out murderous threats. He's already sent men and women to death and to jail. Can you imagine this moment being the church? Can you imagine the kind of fear? You have escaped from L.A. because this whole church, everyone died. You were the only one that was left. You escaped to some desert place 150 miles from here. You are living like Terminator 3 in your makeshift shack, not using your cell phone. You don't, and, and all of a sudden, you get word that the same guy that was there is on his way. With the papers of your name. This is what's happening. This is this moment for the church. Paul was bent on destroying this Jesus. And I love that it says, and on the way, on the road, on the path. <sighs> on the way, not even, God didn't even let him get to the city. On the way to the city. On the way to what he thought was right. Now, Paul wasn't doing this because he was a bad guy. He really believed that this was the right thing. He believed with all of his heart that he was working with God while he was working against God. Be cautious. Uh, at times when you think you're working with God, God shows up and it says it's noon. And when the noon hits, this... this Lightning comes all around, so like, like, like lightning, and it blinds him. His eyes can't even handle the glory of God. Let me tell you this. The sun is out at noonday. The sun is, the reason why it happened at noon is so that you can know that even the sun is a dull comparison to when the glory of God shows up. The sun is not God in his excellence. It's God in himself holding himself bad so he doesn't hurt us. When God showed up, he went blind. The faculties of his eye could not handle the glory of God's presence. For three days he was blind. And God, he hears the voice of God. And the voice of God speaks to him. And he says, God, is that you? And he said, why do you persecute me? Now the crazy thing is, Saul wasn't persecuting God. He was persecuting believers. But you better believe, when you persecute believers, you're also persecuting God. You cannot hurt the body, and at the same time, not affect the head. Why do I say that? Because we keep picking on each other. We keep putting each other down. We keep denouncing each other. We keep hating on each other. And as you hate on your brother, you are also hating on your God. As you make them lower than God made them raised. As you go before you were formed in mother's womb, oh, great. But here's what happened after your mother's womb. No, you're persecuting God. I'm persecuting God. This is why God says if you have odd with your brother, or if your brother has odd with you, actually it says, leave your gift at the altar. I don't even want it. Go make it right and come back and hang out with me. He's on the way, man. He, he's, he's on the way. He, pain is on its way. Fear is on its way. Depression is on its way. Death is on its way. Sickness is on its way. I don't, I don't know who I'm talking to, but, but for some of you, cancer was on its way. But God canceled the assignment on the road. How crazy is it that they sat in homes praying and worried and fearful, and God had already canceled the assignment that they knew not of. He had already stopped it in the progress. They should have been praising, but they were probably crying. And I guarantee not one of them was lining themselves up with what God really wanted. We see that later because when Peter got in jail, they're like, God, oh, man, don't, don't let anyone kill us. Like, when Peter comes knocking at the door, they don't even think it's Peter. So they obviously weren't even praying for Peter to be released. But I wonder if they were praying for Paul to be saved. Probably not. Paul to be changed. Nah. <laughs> Just get him, God. Kill him on the way here. They're probably saying, God, save us. Help us. Rescue us. You know, someone recently, and, and this is controversial, but someone recently was wearing some shirt that said, fire this certain chief police. I said, you think that's a good idea? He said, yeah. I said, why? He told me why. I said, well, that sounds like a good idea. Sounds like he needs to be fired. But I said, what, what would be better than him being fired? 
I said, I don't know. I said, do you think he has a family? Do you think the kids deserve the pain of what their father's done? Do you deserve the pain of what your dad's done? So you, you think those kids should be hungry because this guy's a jerk? So what would be better than him getting fired? Couldn't think of it. I said, probably I'm getting saved. Probably I'm finding Jesus. He's like, oh, man, I don't know if he could get saved. This is the church. This is the church in this moment. There's no way Paul will be saved. He's, he's a throwaway. He's, God, just kill him. Just get him out of here. Look, look, we cut people off way too soon. We cut people up. Look, if you're still alive and breathing, you have an opportunity to receive Jesus. Look, we got to pray for people to be transformed. The people that have wounded you. I can't do that. They've wounded me. Well, these people killed their brothers. Can you imagine if someone killed your wife? And, and now they're coming to take you and your daughter and your family. And God's actually wanting your heart to say, God, actually save them. Heal them. I mean, that's radical. They didn't do it, but this was God's heart. God shows up to this guy named Ananias, and he says, Ananias, you're my chosen one. I, I have this guy coming. And uh, I'm sure Ananias was like, man, that's awesome. Is he, is he, is it Paul, uh, is it, is it, you know, is it Peter or John or, you know, one of the great disciples? And can I take him out to lunch? And, you know, man, that's going to be awesome. And he goes, it's actually this guy named Paul. He's from Tarsus. And Ananias is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I know that guy. Um, and he's kind of like, in my words, do you know that guy, God? Um, it's Paul from Tarsus, not from Damascus, right? I, mean, the, that, I might be getting the wrong one. Because if you're talking about Paul from Tarsus, I don't know if you know, like, he's got a record uh, for killing people uh, like me that love you. And like, you want me to go, what do you want me to do again? God's like, I, I want you to go, I want to go minister to him. He said, he's going to be in this house on Straight Street. God set Paul straight on Straight Street. He's going to be in this house. And, and when you get there, I want you to lay hands on him. You're going to pray for him. And he's, going to, he's blind right now. Oh, thank God he's blind. But you're going to pray and he's going to get back his sight. Oh, oh um, you got anyone else? Like, um, I, have a lot of, like, I have a lot of issues with this. Like, we got to talk. You didn't even talk to me about this, God. You know, it's funny. is the religious people were mad because God didn't check with them about sending Jesus. And the church was mad because God didn't check with them about sending Paul. Just make sure in our hearts that we know God doesn't have to check with us. He can use whoever he wants to use. He can appoint whoever he wants to appoint. Whatever God wants to do, this is his, this is his thing, man. I'm just here along for the ride. And whatever you want, Father, whatever you want. And finally, Anais, Anais goes, okay, God. So, so he goes, and he said, hey, nice. God tells Anais, hey, don't worry. He's going to suffer a lot for what he did. He's like, okay, I, that's cool. So he goes, and Paul did suffer. He goes, and he prays for him. And the Bible says something like scales from, fell from his eyes. comes and for three days he's hanging out with the disciples and the, the Bible says later he tries to preach to some and they're, they're afraid in the audience they're like oh is this a trick this is like the Trojan horse like he's going to come out he's got my papers and Paul is a new person he's not a fixed up Paul because that won't do he's a new guy I thought about this thought because I was at a wedding recently Sam and Nick's wedding. It was beautiful. And uh, I was just talking at the wedding, and, it, and this thought just hit me, and, and I just wanted to illustrate to you, because Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. He was at a, a wedding. Jesus was a wedding crasher. He was at a wedding, and he's hanging out with his mom and brothers, and they run out of wine. They run out of the good stuff. And so, you know, he's at that table, the lame table, the one that gets picked last to go eat. And they ran out of wine by the time they got to him. And Jesus' mom, Mary, looks at Jesus and says, Son, do something about it. I need you to turn the water into wine. These people, they, this is their special day. They ran out of wine. This is embarrassing for Would you do something? And Jesus is like, Mom, like, chill. Like, it's not my time. And he goes, okay. You know, whatever mom asks for, you got to do, man. If mom says it, you just, you just, it's Mother's Day every day. You know, all right, mom. 
So Jesus' first public miracle is turning water into wine. And I always thought this is such a weird miracle. You know, half the church is like, don't drink, do drink. It's just confused. Like, why is this the miracle? And I'm like, why is it? Why did you heal a blind guy first? Why didn't you, why didn't you grow out a leg? I mean, at the wedding, there's had to be a guy with a stanky leg. You know, grow out one leg, then do the wine. Like, why, why the wine first? Uh, you know, isn't that, isn't that weird? And God shared with me, he said, this is exactly what it looked like for Paul to become who God made him to be. It was a suddenly. Water is made up of H2O. I learned that in class. It has certain elements and molecules and things that make it it. It tastes a certain way. You experience it a certain way. The, the glass is formed in a certain way. It, it, is, it is meant for glass. In fact, now you can enjoy it in a plastic bottle. You can enjoy it in a glass cup or you can put ice on it. You, I mean, we love water. It's, it's awesome. I and mean, there's all different levels of water filtration and stuff. But, but it is what it is. Water is not wine and wine is not water. And when Jesus turned the water into wine, he didn't turn water into a substance that was like wine. He didn't turn water into a almost as good as wine. He didn't turn water into a better water, but not water like vitamin water wine. He turned water into wine. He gave water a new present. A new presence. A new environment. It's weird to put wine in a water glass. It's even stranger to put wine in a plastic water container. If you see someone with wine in a plastic water container, they got a problem. Wine was meant for the wine glass. It's shaped different. It's looked at different. It's handled different. It's, it's taken care of them. Wine is put into fine china, not throwaway plates. Silver wine, it has to be formed with time. Wine, you can't just have wine straight off the vine. Good wine, good wine has to have time built into it. This is year 2015. I think we got this at Rite Aid. Rite Aid is not even selling 2017. They at least put some time into it. But if you get the best wine, if you get the finest of wine, it's held in a cellar where no one goes in, it's locked with key and to even touch the wine, they put on special gloves. They hold it with special care because they don't want it to break or to shatter because the time that's built in formulates how powerful it is. So when God turned water into wine, it blows my mind. Because not only did he give it a new present and a new future, he changes past. Wine does not come about the same way water comes about. There is no traces of what's in this, in this. This is a new, unique substance. This is a new thing. You say, why are you telling us this? Because you think you're a fixed up version of who you used to be. You think you're still water. But God has changed water into wine. It's a new substance. It's a new creature is what God calls it. He not only gives you a new present and gives you back your future, he transforms your past. He has to, to give you this. If he doesn't take care of that, he doesn't. This is why the Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. He took care of the past things, the present things, and the future things. He took care of where I've been, where I'm at, and where I'm going. He made me, he gave me a new container to live in. He gave me a new environment to be chosen for. I was destined for the plastic bottle. Destined to be drinking when somebody's hot. But now... My life is for fine banquets. My life is for special moments. 
My life has been chosen and set apart. This is what happened to Paul. They couldn't catch that he was turning water into wine again. They couldn't catch this is why he did his first miracle. Because Jesus' favorite thing to do was to do this. He doesn't care about growing back your arm. He cares about giving your spirit life. Giving you back who he called you to be. You're not repurposed. You're not repurposed. God didn't find you in the thrift store and he's making it hot now. God didn't take something old and make it new. No, he gave you a whole new you. You say, well, why don't I feel like it? Because it didn't happen in your emotions. It happened in your spirit. This is why Paul was blind in his body for three days while his spirit was alive connecting to God. See, suddenlies are crazy. Suddenlies are actually harder to deal with than processes. I hate processes. I don't know about you, but I hate processes. I have a, I have a vision. God's going to give us a building, and then we're on this, like, 800-mile journey. I'm like, God, could we just get this thing to 100 grand so we could get our building? Could you just give someone and give it? And God's like, I got you on a process. I'm teaching you. I'm training you. I'm preparing you. I'm working things out of you. I'm doing things that I need to do. But there are also days where God does suddenlies. Peter went through a process. Paul was a suddenly. Whenever you have a suddenly, it's not easier than the process, even though it seems like it. Sometimes it's actually harder. Because now, the rest of your self has to catch up with what God did in your spirit. It's going to take you a while to believe it in your emotions. It's going to take you a while. This is what happens with salvation. When you receive Christ, it's an instantly thing. And everybody's like, oh, no way. Not that guy. I don't know if it's really real. He's still acting crazy. No, no. He's just trying to catch up to what God did in his spirit. He's just trying to understand. He doesn't belong in plastic bottles anymore. He has been given a new destiny and a new authority and a new history. Don't put me in a plastic bottle. That's not my home. I used to live there. I used to love it there. I used to do what they did. I used to say what they said. I used to think like they thought. But I am no longer water. I am fine wine, baby. God designed something in me new. They were freaked out by Paul. They were nervous around him. But that's okay. He was God's chosen man. God chose you to be here today. I don't care if it makes people nervous. I don't care if it makes people intimidated. God has picked you. He doesn't care where you've been, what you thought about, what you did. Because you are not what you did. I say this last thing. Identity cannot be found in the other two realms. You are three in one. Identity can only be found in your spirit. We keep trying to find identity in our body, what we wear, what we look like, what we do, or maybe in our emotions, how we think, how smart we are, how wise we are. How do I know that? Because the first question you ask each other is, what do you do for a living? Where'd you grow up? Right. We define each other's identity by who, what we do. But God doesn't find it by what you do. He defines it by who you are. It's not by worth, it's by birth. And you were birthed in your spirit. You didn't become a new person on your body. (laughs) I'm the same guy in my body that I was before I got saved. But my spirit, so my body's trying to catch up. My emotions are trying to catch up. Bible says that the hairs on your head are numbered not counted counted would be cool it's a lot of hair but they're numbered like everyone matters to God like if one falls out he goes oh that's number 15,765 fell out in the brush his thoughts of you and I outnumber the sand on this planet. I mean, he's all the grain, a hand of sand. I don't have that many thoughts about anything. Just of you. 
There are billions of people. How big is our God? How great is our God? How much does He love you? He loves you. You don't need to do. You just need to be. Just step into being. I'm wine. I left that old life behind. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That old plastic container is not my home. You better pull some glass out for me. You might get some fine china out for my life. Right? He loves you. You don't got to protect yourself. You don't got to control it. If it was up to you, you'd still be water. Release control. God, I give you control. You got my back. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room? God is doing something special in here today. You say, I don't feel it. It's okay. Paul didn't feel it. <laughs> God showed up when he wasn't looking for him. God is showing up today. You may be bent on a road, whatever road it is, you're on your road. God is coming in right in to interrupt your road. You may think on the other side, you're, you're the Christian in hiding and something's coming to take you out. And we're saying today, God, we trust you. We trust you that whatever's on the road to destroy me, whatever's bent on taking my life, God, my life is not my own. My life is yours. My family life is yours. God, I trust you. You can thwart my enemies in a new direction. You can make my enemies my friends. God, we pray right now, Father, across this room, that you would do what no man can do. You would renew our identity. You would remind us of who we are. We are chosen of God. We are royalty. We are high priest of our home. God, we are kings. We are sons and daughters of you. Lord, we receive our inheritance. We receive our identity. Not the identity we find in our body. Not the identity we find in our soul, our emotions, our will. But Lord, the identity you find in our spirit. God, Lord, grow our spirit today. Lord, grow our spirit to trust. Lord, when you're shifting things in our life. Lord, let us trust your process. But Lord, let us trust even more your suddenlies. Your sudden moments. When you suddenly shift directions. When you suddenly choose someone. When you suddenly say me. When you suddenly choose us, God. Let us answer that call. Remove all religion from our eyes. And open our hearts to relationship again. Let us be your miracle that continues from your first miracle. Keep turning water into wine in our life, God. Keep changing our past into a new present. God, keep making our history your story. Keep doing something great out of us, God. Come on, if you're ready for God to do those things, I'm praying. I want you just to stand to your feet and lift your hands. Come on, all over this room, Father, we ask, Lord, you would change us. You would change our minds. You would change our hearts. Father, let our hearts catch up to our minds. Let our hearts catch up to our spirit, God. You love us, God. You love us, God. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.